children are dismissed back to Praise Factory. And if you would uh, grab your Bible and open up to uh, Colossians chapter 3, uh, we're going to be finishing in, in, in chapter 3 this morning. Uh, we'll actually start uh, chapter 4. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to read in the scriptures and then we'll pray, consider what the Lord has to say to us about how we pursue uh, work, the topic of work this morning. The scriptures say, starting in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your encouragement that comes to us from the scriptures. Lord, we thank you that in this book, as in most of the letters which, which Paul wrote to the church, you teach us that Christ that the Lord Jesus is a sufficient Savior, that he is the only Savior, that we are separated from you. It is good to know that something's wrong, if something is wrong, and then we can set to repairing what's wrong. We can can diagnose the problem, and then once we know something's not right, we can fix that problem. Lord, we thank you that you tell us that we're in desperate need of a Savior. That we have sins to our account that need to be dealt with. And we thank you that you've taught us in the book of Colossians that you have put our sins on Christ and you have forgiven us. You've given us the very righteousness of of Christ and given us the Holy Spirit to dwell within, to help us to live in the way that we ought. If we've put our faith and trust in you, it takes faith. We must repent and trust. And then we receive the blessings that are described in the scriptures. Once we receive that, Lord, we are called because we're chosen by you, because we're forgiven, because you love us, and because we are called to be set apart, we're, we're called to live in a manner worthy of your blessings. Not that we could ever earn them, not that we could ever pay you back for them, but instead your grace and kindness should be a motivator to live in a way that honors and pleases you. And so... Lord, we've looked at marriage relationships and relationships between parents and children, and now we turn to the subject of work. And I pray that as we do, Lord, that we would would not think that, that something that's been difficult 
Work is, work is a struggle, and it always has been. Work is challenging and, and draining, but it is also good. And so we pray that you would help us to, to balance and to remember that when we work, we're not just doing something that doesn't involve you, but instead we're working to honor you. We pray that that would make the difference in the way that we conduct ourselves in the world. Father, I pray that you'd encourage us and help us. As many people are as in this room, there are as many different work situations. But Lord, you are the one who will point out by your spirit how it is that we're supposed to apply what we hear. And so we pray that we'd be faithful to receive your word and to put our trust in it. Lord, we pray this knowing that you're good in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, work was created before the fall. The, um, the first man was created and given a job, right? He was placed in a garden and told to cultivate and to keep that garden. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good pattern. I like that. Um, I think the first time I took my jacket off in the pulpit, I just like threw it on the ground. And Nancy was like out in the audience, like, what are you doing? Um, there, there, work, work was created before the fall. Adam was given a job. He was given a task to cultivate and to maintain the garden that he was, he was placed in, to, uh, to, to maintain the, the earth surrounding it and to design it and, and keep it. So work being prior to, to the fall of humanity is a good thing. Uh, and, and, and many people, uh, even when they're not working, right, they're, they're thinking about work or they have hobbies that involve work, right? Wood working in and of itself uh, is, is creating something. Uh, people enjoy things that are difficult, right? We put energy and effort into these creative pursuits, uh, and that's, that's because I believe that our Heavenly Father is a creative God. And therefore, whether we are cooking or crafting or working with wood or what, you know, we're, 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 we're putting energy and effort into something. And that's good. But the scriptures also say that, that when sin entered the world, that, that God cursed the earth. And we've all experienced the fact that work is hard. Right. It's it's not just that that the things that we're called to do are difficult. It's that many times the the tasks or the job or the system that we're working in pushes back on us. Right. You know, farmers have to remain vigilant. They always have to be pulling uh, weeds out of the ground. They have to be uh, they're concerned about pests. Right. Car mechanics may fix a car, but the car breaks again, right? You know, this is, this is what happens in the medical profession. Uh, work pushes back. The body may not heal. The, the, the diagnosis may not be accurate. Um, but there's also something else about work that makes it difficult. And I think that songwriters have memorialized this in Songs uh, like Huey Lewis's song, Couple Days Off, right? You know this, this is all he wants. 
out of work. Like he is working hard. He's also working for a living. Another Huey Lewis song that, that people know. But man, he's like, I, I'm doing all these things, but you know what I want? I just want a couple days off. I don't want to be here. Some people view work as something that they need to uh, endure in order to get to the fun time in the 1980s, right? Lover boy, they wrote a song. They're just working for the weekend, right? You know, I'm just, I'm doing it because I have to. Uh, in, in dealing with uh, bosses and difficult coworkers, right? Johnny Paycheck famously says, take this job and shove it, right? You know, I am tired of this place. Um, you know, you've got uh, Dolly Parton's ode to the difficulties of working in an office setting, nine to five, not making enough. Donna Summer, she works hard for the money, so you'd better treat her right, right? Todd Rundgren's song, Bang on the Drum, is basically like, everything about my work life is horrible. I just want to go home and play my musical instruments. And then there's the famous uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford, uh, 16 tons, right? You know, you work and you work for the company and the company takes from you and you eventually wind up deeper in debt for having invested all this time and this labor. This is the difficulty that's associated work with work beyond the fact that work is hard. Work involves other people, right? Unless you happen to be independently wealthy or uh, you, you are the boss man and you own the company, you are always working for someone else. And you don't always see eye to eye. And sometimes the problems are even bigger at the top. If you own the company or if you are the boss of the company, the problems are bigger and the struggles are bigger. Paul has, has spent an extensive amount of time in the book of, of Colossians talking about the fact that Christ has come, that he is a sufficient and good savior, that we need to focus only on him and not on religious rituals, not on secret knowledge, not on, on trying harder. We just have to put our faith and trust in him and focus on him and then put on virtue. Once we've put our faith in him, we're called to live virtuous lives. We've got Christ's righteousness given to us. Our sins are canceled out, but then we're called to live in a way that is worthy of the Lord. We're to put on virtue and to, to live out the calling to which we've been called. We're, we're called to, to let Christ's will and his way live in us, in our marriage relationships, in our parenting relationships. And then Paul turns to the way that, that we live in regard to our work. Now, in New Testament times, they didn't have all of the different forms of business that we have today. Companies and corporations and businesses did not exist. Uh, small enterprise, right, was basically you had a family and they worked for you. You probably had some, some people that you could hire, but also in, in, the, uh, in, in the old world when you were uh, a, a nation, if you went to war and you took prisoners, many times those prisoners became slaves. The way that they dealt with, with debt 
Uh, if you borrowed a ton of money and you defaulted on it, right, they, you couldn't go to a court and say, oh, here's the reasons why and file for chapter 11. They didn't have those, that chapter yet. Uh, you, many times they would sell you into slavery for a period of time. And when you'd worked that time, you then regained your freedom or you could purchase your freedom. That's the way that slavery worked. It's not like uh, uh, in, in the United States, the, the legacy of race-based slavery. This was irrespective of who you were. Uh, if you fell into this situation, uh, you, you could become a slave. Some people actually sold themselves into slavery because of the difficulty of, of making, um, you know, making a living. So in, in this situation, when, when people hear that they are free in Christ, that in Christ there is no male or female, no Jew or Gentile, no slave or free, they suddenly think, okay, the, the work obligations change maybe, or the way that we're, we're called to live changes because of what Christ has done. But Paul says that the way that we relate to our work and those in authority over us is important. So, First, he talks about how servants, employees, are to respond to those who are over them. This is the way that we live out our faith in the world. Paul says, bond servants or, or slaves, servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do... Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. But the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So workers are supposed to support the will of those who are over them. Christians ought to work hard and they ought to work well. That is what the Lord calls us to. The the manner of obedience and the manner of support of our employer is clearly defined here. It says in all things, right? This is not just in the parts of the job that you love. This is not uh, just in the things that you, you think are the key things that you've got to get done in order to avoid getting fired, right? This is not just doing the things that, that make it look like you're actually doing your job, but you're really coasting, right? This is in all things, to which somebody would say, um, you know, does that mean if they ask me to do something that's immoral or illegal or sinful that I should do it? Of course not. Right. We we find in other places in the scripture, like Acts 529, where Peter and the apostles are told by the religious authorities, hey, stop preaching in Jesus name. You guys need to close your mouths and stop. And they say, we must obey God rather than men. Right. Of course, they then get beaten for that. And that's the consequence of choosing to obey God rather than men. You may have to say, hey, the check is in the mail or one of these other kinds of things. And the the people who are over you in authority may be able to conceal the wrong and fire you and you are out on the street. But that's the consequence of obeying God. Right. There's always trade-offs. Always. 
We don't live in a, a perfect world where everything fits neatly into boxes. But we're told to obey those who are our employers in all things, not with eye service, right? That means only when they're looking, we're, we're actually about our task, right? And the rest of the time, we're like scrolling on Facebook and posting stuff. Right. You know, or we're we're looking for other jobs. I can remember uh, early in uh, this is probably 1980, 98, 99. This is just prior to when Sam was was born. I was working at this company and I was walking by the the chief uh, computer guy's office. And he was like, hey, Keith, come in here. You know, and I was like nobody. But I would hang out sometimes with the computer guys and talk to them. And uh, and they were like, hey, the head of marketing is looking for another job. And I was like, what? And he's like, look at what we can do, right? And they had remote access into her computer. And she was applying for jobs on the internet. And they had what she was doing on her screen right there. And I don't know if that's legal, probably not, like showing the low man on the totem pole. But I was like, you know, like, what have I done on my computer? And what are they watching, you know? And, and um, but just the idea that she was leaving this trail and, uh, you know, it wasn't but a week and they fired this gal. Um, but, you know, I don't know. We can revisit the past. If you know a lot about business ethics or whatever, we can talk about that if that, that was right. But here was the thing. You know, if you walked into the office and, and said, hey, can you do this? I'm sure it would be like, sure, just finishing up something, you know, um, just going to. Gonna, gonna put that aside and, and do what you need to do. When I was a kid, my, um, I wanted to learn how to play the keyboard. You've never seen me playing the keyboard here, so you know that I didn't learn to play the keyboard. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought I would take a lesson and then know how to play the keyboard. But there was all this practice that was required. So my dad got me this keyboard and I had it in my room and, and I figured out that you could play what you were going to play, and um, you could record it on the keyboard and then just set it to play back over and over. So I was sitting there reading a comic book, and I'd put play, push play, and it would play back, and then it would play back, and then it would play back. My dad was sitting in his computer room, and he was like, he keeps making the same mistake. <laughs> and so he walked over, and he pushed my door, and there I was reading a comic book, you know, pressing the button and replaying that portion of the song over and over again. <laughs> but if he'd been watching me, I'd have been practicing. That's eye service, right? That's I'm being watched and therefore I need to work. I'm only going to serve if I'm under observation. And this is, this is the way it is, right? If you are... Um, if you're being watched, you do a better job, right? Probably like 2004 or 2005, Nance, right? We went to New York City. We went to this restaurant. It was called Mars 2112, right? We took the boys there, and we were walking around New York City. And I think we went to go see a, did we see a show with them, or we, just, we were just in the city. We went to this restaurant, and it was like you get on, you get in this little car, and you go to Mars, right? It's like a, a, a monorail to Mars, however that worked. Anyway, the restaurant, the, the, uh, there were people at the, in the place who were dressed up like aliens. The kids thought it was cool. And uh, no lie, 
we were sitting there eating, and lo and behold, in walks Brad Pitt. And he's like, I'm taller than him, by the way. Um, he's like three tables away, and, uh, and I have better skin, or at least I did. Um, you know, I was checking, I was checking Nancy. I'm like, he's got really bad skin, doesn't he? And she was like, yes, he does. And I was like, good, I'm safe. Um, so, so he's sitting there, and there's a kid there, and uh, the waiter comes over, and he's like, what do you want to eat? You know, you know, takes the order and goes and gets our food, and he like puts it on our table. But when he gets Brad's hamburger, you should, I mean, a, a waiter has never walked to the table or carried a hamburger the way that this guy did. <laughs> he was like, it was like, it was the most amazing, excellent hamburger carrying that ever took place. And he, the way he put it on the table and he adjusted it, and he was like, do you need anything else? And I truly believe if he had said, like, I need, you know, uh, a book about Chinese history and an American flag, that the guy would have ran about it. <laughs> but he would have. But then he turned and he was like walking away from the table. He was so proud of the work he had done. He was like, just full of, you know, the excellence of serving hamburgers well. And I thought, like, I don't think we got that kind of service. When, when we're being observed or we're serving someone who is important in our eyes, we tend to do a better job. We tend to work harder. Paul says, don't serve that way. Don't serve for eye service. Don't act a different way if the boss is watching or if the boss is not present. Don't work, he also says, as a, as a man pleaser. Don't focus purely on doing the job in the way that you've been asked to just to please the boss, just to uh, earn the favor of the leader. Here's what can happen many times. Sometimes bosses get it wrong, don't they? Like that, that what the boss wants differs from what the job actually requires. And you can, you can fall under the influence of approval and you can start to bend or shift or change what you're doing in order to please your boss when the job requires something else. The job requires a certain degree of faithfulness. The job requires that you do something accurately. The job requires that you not cut corners if you're building houses. And the, the supervisor says, use less materials. If that will compromise the integrity of the structure that you're building, then you have to push back and say, no. That's not right. Many times, I've found that the people who are doing the actual work know better certain things. They know better certain details than the people who are over them. They know what the work is actually like and what the job looks like. And you need to be faithful to the job, not just faithful to what the boss wants. So sometimes you need to push back and say, no, it needs to be like this. Part of that is because you're not just working for the individual. You're working knowing that the Lord is watching. And so when we do work, we're to work with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. 
Sincerity means here that it's, it's this idea of, of being honest and, and focused and of, of single mind, free from hypocrisy, free from division, not focused purely on, on the self, but instead focused on the task at hand, doing that faithfully. Many times, I think that, that, that as Christians, we have uh, created a class system in the world in terms of the work that's to be done, right? There is super important work, and the missionaries do this super important work, right? They're the ones who are really doing the work. They're the heroes. And then there are the pastors, right, who are, are teaching the people, and that's super important work. And then there's everybody else doing other stuff. And if you can't be a pastor or a missionary, well then, you know, you just got to do whatever it is that you do. A better way to think of this, and the way that a a number of people were were talking about during the Reformation, is, is saying that as Christians, we ought to be not necessarily the best at everything that we do. It's not like, you know, that, that, that somehow Christians make better shoes, right? Or deliver better medical care or, or make better educators than non-Christians. It's not that. It's, it's that of all things, Christians ought to apply themselves to whatever work they have been given, right? That they ought to say, this is what teaching someone requires. This is what being a doctor requires. This is what being a shoemaker or a designer, right? Whatever it is that you do, you do it to the Lord and you do it to the best of your ability because he has given you this opportunity. He is the one who is the ultimate judge. And so we ought to be sincere and apply ourselves to the task at hand to the best of our ability because the Lord has given us this opportunity And we're living out the truth of what we believe in our time at work. You're not just checking into your non-religious life when you go to work, right? Like going to church is when you're a Christian. You take take your life and and your, your belief and Christ with you wherever you go. That's on purpose. Right? The Lord has called you to be a believer in your workplace. The Lord has called you to model what it means to be a human being created in the image of God, who loves God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself in your place of work. Where you are, where you, where you uh, are, are working to support yourself and your family, where you're creating and you're part of a team and people will see what a believer is like in that environment. That doesn't mean you need to be perfect. It means that you need to be sincere and you need to be faithful. There are some environments it's very difficult to be a Christian. I think most of them it's difficult. But we're called to be a testimony to the truth in the place where we find ourselves. Many people form an opinion of what Christians are like and what 
the effect of Christianity is based on the evidence that they see before their eyes. When we've been given a job and we're responsible for a resource, say you're in accounting, right? Or you're a cashier or you're in charge of, uh, you've got a job and you're selling. When you're sharing with somebody that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and then you're dishonest in your sales techniques or you're fuzzy in how it is that you choose to account, right? Or you're nasty to other people, judgmental and condemning. That destroys people's opinion of what a believer is like. It works against the cause of the gospel. Uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, if you look back at quite possibly the greatest, most successful, most popular show about work ever, right? Talking about The Office, right? The Christian on the show is the most irritating, judgmental, narrow-minded, difficult person ever. And not only does that show create a negative view of what believers are like, right? There's a reason why they put that person, that character on the show. And that's because that's what a lot of Christians are like in the workplace. Don't be like that, right? Don't, don't live out that kind of, of behavior. Instead of, of living uh, hypocritically, we ought to do our work with sincerity of heart and fearing the Lord. Fear here doesn't mean like I'm petrified or I'm terrified. Instead, it means that, that I work in a, in a manner where I am reverent and I'm, I'm open and uh, I, I, I'm aware of the fact that, 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 that God is holy and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act in that way. Um, I was doing a, a little bit of, of work in the garage uh, a while ago and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, if you've got to like replace a switch plate or something in your house, you know, if something's busted, you don't necessarily go and shut off the electricity, you know. It's just a switch plate. I mean, you're not getting into the wall and, and working, right? But if you're going to do something a little, a little more involved, children, if you're listening, you know, this is a lesson for the future, there are these switches and the circuit breakers, you know, and you can shut things off. And so I, I was going to take the panel off of the circuit breaker for the whole house. And so I flipped the whole house switch off and I shut off all the electricity, right? Why? Because I'm afraid of electricity. <laughs> and I would say that's because I'm smart, right? I mean, now... Fear of electricity doesn't mean that I, I, I become irrational and I say, I can't do this project because I absolutely could and I did and it was successful and I put everything back and the, this piece of drywall is up. But I take the cover off, right? And I act in a way that it's like, I understand that electricity could end my life, right? And so I'm not just gonna take my screwdriver and just like go sticking it everywhere in there. No, you, you're super careful. You take the panel off. You know, I did this when the kids were all at school and no one was home, you know, so that nobody's like, dad, 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 you know. And Why? Because electricity is terrifying. So we treat it with respect and care. 
It says here that we're to work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We're to work fearing the Lord. We're to serve him when we do our job. To work not just for our earthly boss, but to demonstrate to the Lord that we respect him and honor him. And so we're to do our job in a way that's worthy of the Lord. Honoring him because he's good, because he's given this opportunity, and because we should not work in a way that's hypocritical. We're to do our work heartily as to the Lord and not for men. We're, we're to put our heart into the work. You might say, you know what, that would be easier if my boss was more like the Lord. It would be easier to work if my boss were a better person or if my work system was better designed to support me being a Christian. It would be easier. Of course it would be easier, right? But work is hard. Work is hard. It's difficult. There are always going to be things about your job that you don't like. It's funny. Um, there in, in the uh, long ago in the Dilbert comics, there was this character named Topper. Does anybody remember this? Like, uh, so so it, the, whenever this guy Topper would show up, it was like, you know, there'd be two people talking about something. You know, oh yeah, I was sick. I, I had a cold. That's why I wasn't here yesterday, right? And then Topper leaps into the action and he shows up and he's like, oh yeah, you know, I was sick too. I had the bubonic plague, you know? And he's like, nobody can say anything around him without him taking it up another notch, you know? I think sometimes people do this with their work, right? You know, someone's like, oh yeah, I had this situation on my job. And they're like, that's not nothing. You know, if you were, if you were in, in the medical field or if you were a teacher or if you were a pastor or if you were this, man, that's really hard. All, all work is tough. It's difficult. And we need, to, we need to understand that it's difficult and then we need to work in the way that we're called to anyway. Why? Because the Lord has called us to work in a way that pleases him. And it says that the Lord will judge our service. In verses 24 and 25, it says, knowing that we're going to receive our inheritance from the Lord as our reward. You may not get compensated what you are worth in this world, in this life, for the work that you do. But the Lord will make all things right one day. You may be... Uh, working hard at the job, and somebody else may get the credit. You may uh, think of some brilliant idea and never get compensated for it. You may get cheated out of something and never receive that. Now, this doesn't mean that you should not pursue the, uh, the, the, the means at your disposal to, to make things right. As Christians, we're allowed to, to use the law to restrain evil from taking place in the workplace. But 
Ultimately, the Lord is the one who we're serving, not a a difficult boss or a demanding boss or an impossible to please boss. We're working for a boss who sees all things and knows all things. And so we're called to do what is right, no matter what the person over us does. Why? Because we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says here that no partiality will be shown when God judges our work. Being a servant is no excuse for doing a bad job. And as Christians, we shouldn't say, oh, God will forgive me if I do a bad job. And we shouldn't say, because I'm a Christian, I'm allowed to to not be attentive. You know what? We can, we can take five minutes or maybe our lunch break or maybe time after work to share the gospel with somebody. But if all you're doing is standing around a water cooler all the time, right, you know, telling people about Jesus, never doing the job that's been assigned to you, you're actually stealing. You are. Because you're not doing what you're being paid to do. If the people who are in authority over us don't do right, we can appeal to higher authority, we can appeal to law, but we're still called to do what's right. Paul Peter points this out in 1 Peter in chapter 2. He says, servants, now listen, this, there's a, a number of sentences here, but it's one singular thought. Peter starts with this idea of servants doing what's right, and look at where he ends up. He says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. What credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Now, I think that what's, what's powerful about that is there's the gospel, right? It's not what we do. It's what Christ's done for us. He lives a righteous life. We say, I need a savior because I've sinned. We can't live the way that he did. We can't live the righteous life that God demands. And so we put our faith and trust in Christ. We receive his righteousness and we're saved. The Holy Spirit enters in and we're called to live a holy life. So the gospel is right there in verse 24, right? But what surrounds it and precedes it is the fact that Jesus went to the cross being spat on, reviled, you know, lied about. He, people people uh, su- caused him suffering and he didn't threaten them. He didn't say, oh, just you wait until I get my power. I'm going to crush you. Right. You know, it says in verse 21 and 22 that uh, even though he'd done nothing wrong, he suffered as an example of the way that we're supposed to walk. And so there are going to be times when we're treated unjustly. There are going to be times when our, our boss doesn't do what's right. And that doesn't mean that we drop everything that we're doing or stop doing the job. Instead, we continue to do the job. 
We continue to work hard because we're not working just for them. We're working for the Lord. What we're doing on the job as we do our work is intensely spiritual. God created us for work. Not for working when it's convenient. Not for working when the conditions are are perfect. But instead, when we work, we're to work as if we're serving the Lord. Second, Paul points out that masters or employers or supervisors ought to be just and fair. He says you don't have a right to abuse those who are under you in Verse 1 of chapter 4, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. You're to be just. The, the word here is the word that's used in a number of places for righteousness. You're supposed to do the right thing, rendering to each person what is due to them, right? Judging them for wrong, rewarding what's right. And they're to be fair, to, to treat people in, in the right way without threatening, right? Bosses, supervisors, leaders ought to lead in a way that embodies this, this truth, right? That we're not to, to do, we're to, we're to do unto others the way we would have them do to us. You set the right example at the top and the people who are working underneath you see what is good and right and they follow suit, right? Or you dismiss them if they're a problem. You, you move them out of service. You work with them for a time and, and, and talk with them and try to train them to do the right thing and then move them out of the way if they're not going to do it. Get rid of them. Ephesians 6.5 says that... Uh, uh, sorry, I'm not going there. I'm looking at verse nine. Masters, it says, do the same to those who serve you and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there's no partiality with him. When we supervise or lead, uh, what, what Paul is teaching here is that we're taking the, the, the physical place where we're, we're, we're embodying what it is that the Lord would do in that situation. And so they're working as if to the Lord, and we're supposed to lead as if to the Lord or in his place. And if we threaten or judge or we're unjust, then we are, we are denying something about the character of God and the way that God would work in that situation. And we should know that God will judge and punish Paul says, as a motive to be just and fair, he he reminds them that they too have a master in heaven and there's no partiality with him. Being the boss doesn't mean that we suddenly have freedom to do whatever we want, right? Being free or having power and authority doesn't mean that we can use that to abuse. This is what I think I think is is so incredible and amazing. Many times when when I'm, I'm looking at things that are written about leadership, people point out the fact that Jesus washed his disciples' feet while he was was in his earthly body, right? You know that he he proved the kind of leader he was by washing feet. I think that's great. That's a great example of of Jesus before he is king and the boss over everything, right? 
serving others. We, we see in, in John chapter 13, it says that he knew where he'd come from. He knew where he was going. He knew it was going to happen. And so he served them. But you know what else Jesus does? When he comes back from the dead and he is in charge of everything, right? This is just prior to him saying, all authority in heaven and earth was given to me. Right? He's the boss of everything. You know what he does in John chapter 21? He makes his disciples breakfast. He's not like, I'm the boss now, make me breakfast. He serves them. He retains his humility. When we have authority, we ought to use it to serve others with honor and respect and fairness. And so as Christians and as honorable people, we ought to work in a way that reflects the character of Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, we, we can look to the scriptures for good advice, for strong solutions to the, to the problems that we face each and every day in work. Uh, if the character of the way our work environment were to change right? The, 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 the things that we're, we're trying to accomplish, the struggles of work would change dramatically. We're supposed to go in to our place of business or to, to work with the people that we're called to work with and work with the character of Christ, hoping and praying that the situation will, will shift as we live out our commission, as we live out the way that we're called to. No matter how high or low our position is, we're called to work in a way that honors the Lord. And we're to, to walk in his wisdom. The scriptures say in Colossians 2.10 that we're complete in Christ, who's the head of all principality and power. Whether we have a high position in work or a low position at our work, we're to work as unto the, unto the Lord. And we're to, to work in the way that he calls us to. Paul's vision is that we would put on virtue and that this would shape our marriage relationships and that this would shape our family relationships and this would transform our work relationships. We may not be able to change society completely, right? Human governments have been after this for thousands of years. We just adjust the rules, change the laws, and here we are, right, still struggling. But what we can do is change our personal environment. As the Lord works through us, we can change. We can embrace the gospel and how it affects our families, our marriages, and our work lives. And so we start with ourselves, being who the Lord calls us to be, that we might change the area of work that we've been assigned to and, and change the environments that we find ourselves in. It's interesting that Romans 12, and we'll end with this, says that we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we reject the way that the world says, just do this, just work like this. Your boss is a creep, whatever. Do this, right, and get over, right? You know, no, we, we're not going to be conformed to that. We're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we may prove what the will of God is 
what is good and acceptable and perfect. When, when we live and work according to the principles that are laid out here, when we work as to the Lord and not to men, we're demonstrating to a watching world, demonstrating to the Lord what God's will is and how he would have us act. And that's strong evidence to people, not just what we say, this is what I believe, this is what I think, but what we do, the way that we act communicates what we believe more than the things that we say. And so we're called to to be good witnesses to the Lord by the way that we work, by the way that we act. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray as we close. Father, you've called each and every one of us to some task, not necessarily to the same task for our entire lives, but you've called us to, to pour our, our energy into something, whether that is raising children and making a home, whether that's working in an office, whether that's uh, being out repairing and working, whether we're in the medical field or education or we're involved in, in uh, the ministry of the church. In whatever place we find ourselves, we ask that you would show us grace, that we might live out the principles that you've called us to. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would be challenged to remember the truth that you are the boss, whether our boss is a good guy or whether he's a creep, whether we're in a position of high authority or whether we have very little. We're called to work in a way that honors you with wholeness of heart and sincerity. Father, I pray that, that the way that we work would be evidence of what we believe and that we would prove to be faithful children walking in your will and your way as we go to the places where we're we're, we're, we're called to, to apply ourselves, Lord, and to work. We just pray that we would work with fullness and sincerity of heart and that that would prove who it is that we serve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing a closing song together. Amen.